morning, y'all. Good morning. Those of you that have been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we're in the book of John. And by now, uh, you have heard time and time again that the theme of the book of John is that you might believe. And we have communicated that we've gotten that theme from the word of God itself, from the book of John itself. The author, in John chapter 20, towards the end of the book, he says that this book is written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. He's the unique son of God. And then, of course, you've been hearing us say the rest of John's statement, that by believing that information, it might make a difference in your life. He says that by believing, you will have life in his name. And we have been learning from our Lord himself as we've been studying the word of God and observing Jesus's words himself is that he gives physical blessings for eternal lessons. That his focus for life, for those that he spoke to, was primarily their eternal life. That Jesus realized during his adult ministry that he had a short time. He knew that he would be crucified, and so his message was urgent. He also understood that life was short. He understood that many of us, our lives, before you know it, we will look back and realize, wow, it goes so fast and it is so short, and then we start to think about or wonder what really matters. So our Lord's focus, as we also looked at last week, when he continued to teach eternal lessons, was for you and I to not just focus on the bread that he gives for this life. He said in chapter 6 that we studied last week, speaking to the crowd that was seeking Jesus for their physical needs, like we all often do, and he loves us and cares about us. He says, I don't want you to just look for the bread in this life. I want you to really consider your need for the bread of life. That would be me, Jesus was speaking about himself. And when he made that statement, that's when things didn't go too well. Because they said you were good when you were doing miraculous signs, and we were amazed, and you fed 5,000, and we wanted to make you our leader, our king. We were good when you were doing miracles and doing things that we had never seen before. We were good when you were healing the sick because we wanted healing. We were good when all of that was going on, but when you started to say that you are the bread of life, that you are the God of the universe, that's when, Jesus, we have a problem with you. And the Jewish people as a nation still has a problem with that claim of Jesus Christ to this day. And just like people had a problem with Jesus' claims that day, and they were torn between Jesus being a good miracle worker 
in the Son of God. They were torn between a good man and the Son of God that day. It's still the issue today. The Jewish people, his own people had a problem with it, and people that you know and I know have a problem with it. And so in chapter 7, we'll look at another interesting encounter between our Lord and his brothers. And he will continue to teach us spiritual or eternal lessons through physical or circumstances on earth that we all can relate to. You can either open up your Bibles or the first 13 to 14 verses in John chapter 7. We will read together and it'll be up on the screen. John chapter 7, starting with verse 1. After this, that incident we just talked about in chapter 6, the encounter between the people, the crowds, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him, the author says in verse 5. Jesus said to them, verse 6, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Ain't nothing like an argument between brothers, <laughs> siblings, or sisters. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But, verse 10, after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, but not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet, for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Precious Lord, bless your word. You see in this story an encounter between Jesus and his family members. It is a challenge to be associated with Jesus. It's a challenge to be the Christian kid or raised in the Christian home, let alone being a preacher's kid, being the only or one of the only Christians at work, the only Christian in your neighborhood, 
associating with Jesus Christ in public is a challenge. Jesus is well aware of this. He is well aware of your challenges and my challenges. He's aware of the issues of our life, our personal life, the things you're going through, and he's also well aware of the public challenge that you will face throughout your life to be associated with him. If you choose to be associated with him, as a matter of fact, he says, you will have conflict with other people. He said it then, and he spoke into the future for those that would follow him later. And we will look at some of those passages where Jesus said, you know what? They hated me to his disciples. They're going to hate you. Now, one of the ways that you can avoid that is just not associate publicly with Jesus. If you don't want conflict, if you want to be popular, what you really have to do is not be public about Jesus. But Jesus' lesson to his brothers is that he is going to choose the eternal purpose over public popularity. See, they wanted him to go public and, and focus on his miracles and his healings. And, he's, and they said to him, wait a minute. You know how to heal people. We, we was hanging out. Okay, they grew up with Jesus. And if you've been reading the scriptures, you knew that even as a child, Jesus was a pretty smart kid. But he wasn't healing folks. So his brothers probably grew up with him. They were probably mad because he never did anything wrong. So I got to imagine it was interesting. They probably had a little bit of um, smirk on their face when he was having issues with people. But when they found out that he can do all that he can do, they probably seen popularity in mind. They said, if you're going to do all that you're going to do, stop hiding yourself and let's go out and make this known and let's do this, Jesus. That's my brother. And of course, you also know, if you know the history of scripture and you know the Jewish people were in bondage, they were thirsty for a savior, just like in their history, to come and deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. They were an oppressed people. Jews have been oppressed throughout their history. But in this particular time, they did not have their own land. They had been brought over from slavery. Can I get a witness? They did not have identity in a land that was not their own. And so when they seen Jesus in their minds, they were saying, if you can do all of this, you need to lead us against the Romans. Otherwise, what good are you? They had their plan. We have our plan of what we want God to do. And God always has a physical blessing with an eternal lesson. See, I always, by God's grace, know that when we are under the word of God and we are encouraging people about God blessing them, that we all want to hear that. 
Amen? But what I've learned through my experience from my Savior is that he wants to bless you, but do you want to hear the spiritual lesson? See, the spiritual lesson is always the challenging one because it really comes down to public association with Jesus. It also comes down to you looking inside yourself and dealing with your sin. God always wants to bless you in both ways. So let's look at some more of these scriptures and let's see what our Lord is saying to us again this morning. We already know that the biggest theme in this passage is Jesus' public well, it is eternal or spiritual focus versus public popularity. So we see that Jesus didn't want to go to Judea. He stayed in Galilee, verse one, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. What's also interesting is there was a feast going on. The author highlights a feast. This Feast of Booth is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. The history of this feast is the Jews celebrating their deliverance. Just like the Passover, this feast was similar because they thought back and celebrated God delivering the Jews from bondage, from Egypt. And so they were celebrating deliverance Warning deliverance, like we talked about, but they were rejecting God's deliverer. The irony in scripture, when you observe the interaction between Jesus and people, is amazing. God sends a provision, but they miss the ultimate provider because they want the bread over the bread of life. They are here celebrating as a religious ceremony. But yet they miss the God of the ceremony. Because they reject Jesus. <laughs> it is not in history or in the future unpopular to be religious. Okay. The scripture wants to make that clear, and through the grace of my Lord and Savior, we want to make this clear today, something we probably already know, just trying to let the Lord really let this sink in our heart, because we know it's a challenge, the life you have to live, my Christian brothers and sisters. Saying that you're spiritual, saying that you believe in God, will not make you unpopular. People will be okay with various opinions if you don't believe in God. But try going to school and say Jesus. Try going to work and say Jesus. That's where the conflict comes in. So we can celebrate the feast of the booth and God delivering. But when you bring in Jesus, he was unpopular when he made himself out to be the God of the universe then. And so he is today. God understands what you and I are going through by being associated with his son, Jesus Christ. 
But let's not be at the point like the Jews where we're celebrating reasons for the seasons, but we don't want to be publicly associated with the Savior. Made that point in the introduction. We'll continue with that thing. It'll be a challenge. But the reason why it is so, so important that you and I will come out of the closet like everybody else is doing is that what people really need is what they're rejecting. And God is choosing to use you. If you choose to stay private and you never really ask the Lord to give you wisdom how to go public, the people that will be drawn to Jesus, God won't have that opportunity to use you. Our other challenge is we are so burdened down with our own situations. We want to be delivered from something we're going through that we focus on getting the bread. We, we went in bread. We went in. We hustling. We bustling to make it. But Jesus says, if you seek first me, I got that stuff. Something we know it's just good to be reminded and encouraged. The Lord is saying that you need to step out and trust on faith. Faith that simply means trust. It is not blind faith. When we talk about biblical faith, we're talking about trusting in an object that is dependable, in a savior that you can trust in, that will not and has not let you down. <laughs> Jesus' death Ultimately, he was crucified. The Jews were seeking to kill him, and particularly the religious leaders. His death by the hands of the hostile Jewish leaders was prophesied, and Jesus was aware of it. Most of you probably know this, but you need to understand, and those who you are sharing the gospel with need to understand that Jesus was not a mere man who was crucified by accident. How y'all doing, sisters? Shout out, shout out. Just noticed y'all was there. Love, love, most definitely. You too. In John chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus speaking to his brothers, he said, my time has not yet come, but he says, the world hated you the world cannot hate you, rather, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Verse 8, you go up to the feast, he says, I'm not going up to the feast because my time is not yet fully come. Jesus knew that his purpose in life and the goal that he came to this earth had a designated time and a plan. He was aware of his death. He always was. He kept speaking about it. Jesus said in verse, or Jesus didn't say, but the author says, verse 30, that at some point when Jesus was preaching, verse 30, chapter 7, they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because of God's divine purpose. Because his hour had not yet come. See, when you're on mission for God, my brothers and sisters, you are invincible. 
until God's timing. <laughs> what we have to really get down in our souls that you don't have to fear anyone or anything. No one can hurt you until God says it's your time. Anything that happens to the saviors, to the creator's children, he controls. You don't have to fear anyone. Jesus modeled this for us. His time had not come. They couldn't kill him and they can't touch you. Commit your life to the Lord. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those that can only touch the body, but be concerned about the God who can deal with your soul and your body. In John 12, 27. Things up there. John 12. Okay, I'll go to it. Okay. Jesus knew, he says, my soul is troubled. He knew where he was going. He says, and what shall I say or can I say? Father, save me from this hour. But he understood it was for this purpose, for you, that he came. This is another reason why recognizing Jesus publicly should be in our heart and we should not be ashamed of our Savior because he gave his life that we all know for you. It's just good to be reminded. Somebody say, remind me. It's good to be reminded that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, Christ died for us. Don't nobody know how sinful they are until you become a Christian. When you commit your life to the Lord and he fills you up with his presence, then you really get it. It's like, Lord, why did you save me? Because you, your eyes are open to just how sinful you really are. See, folks that are blind to that, don't matter what they do, they just won't acknowledge they, they're sinful or they need a savior. Always comparing themselves to somebody else. I'm better than this person. It's amazing, boy. You could be, in, you could be deep in the hood. And there's somebody talking about somebody ain't no good. I've been around the hardest criminals. And the worst criminals talking about how that criminal is the worst criminal. It's amazing how we often as human beings don't have self-awareness of our sin and just how evil it is. Jesus got this. He says to his brothers, he says, the world hates me. Verse 8. Oh, my apologies, my apologies. Let me get back on the floor. Jesus says to his brothers, my time has not yet come, verse 6, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, verse 7, because I testify about it that its works are evil. 
there's a couple problems they had with Jesus. Number one, in John chapter 5, 8, and there should be a cross-reference there, he was interrupting the religious system. He was healing people on the wrong day. I mean, they were just pet petty. John 5, 18, my apologies. This is why the Jews were seeking to kill him all the more, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath by doing a good work on the Sabbath, which was a Saturday for the Jews at that time, but he was calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. They said later in their debates with Jesus, it ain't because you're doing good things that we have a problem with you, but you being a man making yourself God. Then he had the nerves to look at them and say, you're a sinner. Then he had the nerves to say he forgave sins. He would heal folks and say, sin no more. He forgave sins. He called people sinners. And then in John chapter 8, it's not up there. He looked at them and said, which one of you convicts me of sin? Whoa. Tell me one human being who can make that statement or who would, I mean, come on. Which one of you has ever seen me sinning? That's literally what he said. Process that. But they couldn't wrap their mind around it because it was the word become flesh. Because he came in the form of sinful flesh. And when you're looking at a man and you're looking at a woman and you grow up in this world, you know ain't nobody perfect. But this guy was. <laughs> this is what people have to wrestle with when we're dealing with Jesus. Because Jesus was a unique human being, but yet he was not. He was fully human, but fully God all at the same time. But what's cooler than that is why he did it. He did it because you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and he wants to have a connection with people because he created them, but he knows that in order to do that, you cannot come before a holy God in his holy court of law guilty of sin. And you cannot come before a holy God with a sinful nature. We're not going to get into that, but that's the gist of it. What God wants to do is he wants to transform people from the inside out, and when they pass over from death to life, the Bible says that we were sealed with this Holy Spirit so that when you pass over, God has the seed, his seed in you to transform you into a new nature so that you can be with him. If you reject his provision for a new nature because you don't accept Christ, the one that died for your sin, so that God can look upon you and give you a new nature, then you will go before God saying, let me in based on my good works. You will take that chance and Jesus says that the father will look at them and say, I don't know you. If you do good deeds, but you don't have Christ, which is another difficult challenge for people to deal with, you will not be able to enter into heaven and have a relationship with him.
couple other things about Jesus knowing about his death. John 30, John 12, 32, and 33. I'm going to look over at the screen again. Jesus says, and when I'm lifted up, speaking to the religious leaders in the crowd, I will draw all people to myself. The author understood more looking back, just like us, <laughs> walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. Now he's writing and the spirit is moving on him. And then the pen is going to paper and ink. And he's looking back and he's remembering Jesus' words. And he says he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He knew his purpose. Do you know yours? John 2, 18 to 22, the Jews said to him, what sign do you do? Are you going to do to show us that you're doing all these great things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it up. The Jews said this, the author said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures in the word that Jesus had said. Jesus was not crucified because he could not present himself from being crucified. Jesus was crucified for purpose and design. This is what your loved ones and friends that you're sharing the gospel with need to know. These are the scriptures you need to know so that you can allow them to read it and look at it. You pray for them and let them look at these passages and ask them good questions about it and let them be observant. Jesus says in John 2, or John 10, 17, and 18. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, Corey. Go back to John 2. Did I not read that one, y'all? 18 to 22? Oh, my bad, okay, so then go to John 10, John 10. For this reason, Jesus says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Who says that as a mere human being? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it up again. This is your Savior. He knew what he was doing and he did it for you. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Here's why we're here. Paul says, I'm delivering this message of you of first importance. Somebody say first. Not God just giving you provision for your physical bread. Not just God healing your physical body. Not just God delivering you and making sure that you pay your rent, which we want him to do that. But what's first, because if you don't have this, if their loved ones don't have this, then they do not have their eternal destiny secure. I deliver to you a first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for what? Our sins. And it was prophesied according to the scriptures. Young children, 
Why is your mama and daddy bringing you to church? Because Christ died for your sins. Every time they tell you to do something, you don't do it. And you know you're wrong. Every time they tell you to clean up your room and you don't do it. Every time you talk back. Every time you fight each other. All those negative things. It is evidence that even as a child, they have something not right with them. When your mama look at you and say, what's wrong with you? There is something wrong with you. The Bible calls it sin. Got a got an applause on that. We sinners too, parents. <laughs> I don't care how many times you ground them. I don't care how many times you send them to their rooms. I don't care how many times you spank them. You cannot spank sin out of a human being. Jesus is the only answer. When we look at ourselves and we say, what's wrong with me? Tell you what's wrong with you. Sin. So the fact that Jesus died for our sins is of first importance. Because Paul said, and then I said, oh, wretched man that I am. Thank you, Lord. That you showed up. And you revealed yourself to me that my problem isn't just trying to do better, but that I need a savior to fill me with his spirit and change my soul. To create in me a clean heart that I cannot do for myself. When I want to do right by my parents, but I just can't do it. When I want to do right, but I just can't do right. And the Bible says that if he gave up Jesus, will he not with him freely give you all things? See, God, as Anderson often says, ain't done with you yet. But his goal for your lost friends is that they be led to Christ by you. And his goal for you is that he grows you to maturity in Christ so that you sin less and less. Get you out of here trying not to be on Baptist time. Couple more things. Couple more things. Jesus said to his brothers, or rather, Jesus, in verse 8, start from verse 8 again. I'm just going to. Read all the way to verse 13 again. He told him to go up to the feast. He says he's not going. He wasn't lying. He was just focusing on his time. He knew he had a time he was going up and he didn't want to go in public like they were talking about. He had a purpose. He says, I'm going up for the feast for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers went up to the feast, he went up not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? There was much muttering about him, verse 12, among the people. Some said he's a good man. Others says he's a deceiver. This is what you and I are going to get. Some folks are going to say, for, for my African-American brothers and sisters, white man's religion. 
right? They deceiving y'all, okay? And understand where their heart is coming from, from 400 years of slavery and bondage and being mistreated using the Bible, misusing the Bible. Okay, civil rights movement, evangelical Christians, generally, uh, most of them were, were not, not to be found and still don't want to touch this issue. So unfortunately, people misuse and misrepresent Christ for those of us that have been hurting. But it does not mean that this is a false religion. The devil is a lie, as we say it back in the day. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't let somebody play the race card on you and keep you from the truth. See, people will have different ideas, young folks, about Jesus. Try to make you feel bad. Try to make you feel embarrassed. But do not be deceived by popularity. Because the same people who act like they like you don't really care about you. They didn't die for you. And they won't. But your creator did. And he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. But in verse 13, here's often where the problem is. Yet for fear of the Jews, they, they wanted to stay private. The question, as we talked about at the beginning and what we end with for Radius Church and for my brothers and sisters in Christ, will you choose public popularity over eternal purpose? You will be challenged with that often daily. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, do not let public popularity cause you to reject the only way God has provided for salvation. He died for your sins according to the scripture. He knew he was going to die, and he rose in three days to prove who he was. The resurrection is the evidence that there is a resurrection and that Jesus is the resurrection in the life. May the Lord open your heart to his purpose for your life. And may you choose eternal purpose that God has given you over public popularity. In Jesus' name.